0: Join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Welcome to Redemption's Table, those of you who are tuning in, and it is a beautiful Friday morning here in Bessemer, Alabama. We are in a very special kitchen this morning, and the kitchen is called Grace's Kitchen, and this is Redemption's Table podcast, Grace's Kitchen, Redemption's Table, it sounds like a perfect fit. If I'm sitting at Redemption's table, what better kitchen for <laughs> the, the food to come out of than Grace's Kitchen? I'm sitting here with uh, Paula Hughes, and Paula Hughes is uh, behind the idea of Grace's Kitchen. Paula, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm glad you're with us. Give us a little bit of your story, just before we start talking about Grace's Kitchen. So,
1: um, so me personally? Yes, ma'am. So I grew up in a family um, that was um, a family of believers. My mom and dad were both believers. We went to church. Church was just a part of our lives. That's what we did. And um, I came to know the Lord at a very young age. Not a very young. At a young age. And, um, but I went through a lot of... It took me a while to kind of figure out what that meant, to walk with the Lord. And um, through my time in college, um, I felt like the Lord um, really became real to me at that point in my life. And so, um, in college, I, I am a type A um, workaholic. Right. <laughs> and so, in college, I had to figure out, okay, I'm getting these two degrees. What does this look like? I did an internship out of college that became a job and um, for 16 years, I worked um, at Southern Living Magazine as a copy editor. Wow. And um, I, um, when I left there in 2010, I was the copy chief. I managed the copy editors who make, the made, at the time, things have changed in publishing, mm-hmm. but um, we made the writers look better. Everybody okay. benefits from editing, and so that was what yes. I did. Um, but it was a job that I poured my heart and soul into. I worked probably 60 hours a week at a minimum, Um, I worked nonstop, and so in 2008 I started doing um, through a lot of sequence of events we had lost my dad 2002 was a really hard year for us we had lost my dad in a really tragic horrible way Um, I had gone through a health crisis that came out of nowhere and I just kind of felt dead inside and a couple of years past that in about 2004 Um, My sister encouraged me to do this Bible study with her, and God began to turn my apathy into an active faith. And um, I had always done, I'm a people pleaser, I had always done what I was supposed to do. I never stopped going to church. I never stopped doing anything. I just did what I was supposed to do, but I was dead inside through the result of just some things that had happened. And um, God's Word, particularly the book of Daniel, came to life to me again, and I realized what an active pursuit of God Was what that would be in my life, and so as a result of that and some other things, God started changing my heart, and I realized that my workaholic tendencies were not God honoring. And so, God changed my priorities to where I knew that no longer was my job my identity and what I was supposed to focus on. But when you've spent 14 years working 60 hours a week, how do you go back from that? And so, um, in 2009. God called me to walk away from my job to just quit it at the same time he had also called a friend and I and I a friend of mine and I to start Grace's kitchen in a really interesting sequence of events and so in 2010 I left my job the job that I never thought I would leave Mm -hmm. I had just gotten a promotion to assistant managing editor right right before that and that that was my goal was to keep working up and um, but God had changed me and he told me to walk away, and I did, and I haven't looked back.
0: Wow. So you said you had two degrees. What were your degrees? I
1: double majored in history and English.
0: History and English? Mm-hmm. Okay. And obviously, used the English part yeah, of the editing skills. Yeah, I did. I did.
1: History more interesting, but I knew I didn't want to teach, and it's very hard to get a job just because okay. you have a history degree. So, yeah.
0: I love that magazine. I always have. <laughs> um, got a lot of great recipes. Sure. In the, in it's very
1: different now. Magazine, like, things yeah. have changed a lot. Um, Since I was there, just the whole magazine industry as a whole has changed, and Southern Living is very different, but it was a very formative time for me. Um, I can't separate my love for cooking from my time at Southern Living. Even though I never cooked, that wasn't my job, I edited, but I was exposed to food. I was exposed to people who loved food, and I think, I know that that is a huge part of I got to be where I am now
0: okay wow that's interesting the things God uses mm-hmm. in our lives yeah. for the next step mm-hmm. uh, wow i'm I'm a chaplain one of the chaplains at Brother Brian mission in downtown Birmingham which is where you uh, come with a group of volunteers to mm-hmm. uh, serve these wonderful dishes on Thursday night the from my early association with Brother Brian has been Thursday night and I remember the first time I walked in to speak in chapel that night. And then wanted this wonderful meal, and I was like, oh, "Y'all, you eat like this all the time. This is great." And and the food there is great uh, mm-hmm. all the time. But I always look forward to Thursday night. Thank uh, you. And uh, so many wonderful, wonderful recipes. Uh, so you've had it. You've had an interest in cooking. Uh,
1: yes. Um. So when I was in high school, my mom um, is a teacher. Was a teacher. She's retired now. But when when she, when we were in high school. Um, She was teaching, but she went back to school to get a gifted certification to teach. Mm -hmm. And so my brother and I, she went to school two nights a week. And so my brother and I were assigned a night a week to cook. And so I started cooking in high school. But back then, it was super basic. Even... How I cooked when Andy and I first got married 23 years ago was very different than how I cook now. But in high school, everything I made, my dad was a super picky eater. But every time it was my night to cook, we had something and French fries because it was the late <laughs> 80s and we had a fry daddy. Okay. And so I would fry French fries and whatever we ate went with French fries. Okay. <laughs> so wow. those are my earliest meal planning, um, and I don't cook like that now. But back in the 80s, that is how I cooked, I and don't so all
0: French fries at the mission. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: and so but it my mom like I think that was a really it helped her but I think in hindsight it was super helpful for both my brother and me because my brother is the cook in his family okay so he does all the meal planning and shopping and cooking and that's what I do and I think that mom helped us do that just by the function of I'm gonna be in class at night and I need somebody to handle dinner so y'all get to do it Wow.
0: so I love to cook myself and I've wondered about this because every dish is, like there's a little something extra special mm-hmm. about everything you prepare. Are there go-to ingredients that you, you know, when you're putting together a recipe, maybe you're following a recipe and you mm-hmm. go, hmm, I bet this would be good in that. Do you have some of those in there?
1: Um, I can't pull something right out of the top of my head, but I very much, like what God called us to do with Grace's Kitchen is to feed people the way we feed our families. Okay. And so um, that's what I do. Like. There are recipes that Mm -hmm. go, um, that we use, and a lot of our baked goods, you kind of have to, if you're having a volunteer make something, you need a recipe. But most of the other things we do, we make by taste. So like last night, we had Sloppy Joe's. Mm -hmm. So the way I season that is just we cook them, and then I add stuff, and then I taste it. And then I see, I think it needs to have a little bit more. So one of the things that Andy would tell you is is that it's very rare I make anything that tastes exactly the same every time, because I always think well what would happen if we did this and I think this would be a little better if we went this way and so that's just kind of how my brain works with food. I'm always trying something new and something different and so Andy grew up with a mom who cooked very consistently and he wishes that I would cook very consistently but I don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll disciple Andy. Andy, He'll say to me I mean he
1: he likes my food but he'll say sometimes we'll be eating dinner and he'll say I want you to make this exactly like this next time. And I'm like, well, I don't actually know how I made it this time, so I don't know that we can achieve it again.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: So I'm a little more structured than that with the meals that I serve through Grace's Kitchen because I've learned kind of the palates of the folks that I'm serving. And I'm not, I, I, I experiment a little bit more at home than I do with the meals that I serve at Grace's Kitchen. But I do... Try things. Like there are secrets to some of my food that I cannot reveal.
0: We don't want you to. I cannot to. reveal
1: about the sloppy joes okay. because there are some people at Brother Brian who would never eat them again.
0: Really? Oh yeah. Well, they were guessing around the table last night. You know what made these sloppy joes? So <laughs> I will give you some of their ideas <laughs> or what they were thinking. So.
1: Yeah. So well, I am always kind of tweaking as I go, okay. and I very much cook to taste. I love that. Um, I think seasoning is really important and mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to kind of elevate people's palates and yeah. try new things and um, anyway so it reminds me of a verse
0: and I brought it because I was thinking about uh-huh. a verse of Scripture that fit what you're doing mm-hmm. it's it's using the message paraphrase mm-hmm. uh, from the Sermon on the Mount Matthew mm-hmm. five fourteen, or in the version we know it uh, you know you're the salt of mm-hmm. the, the earth uh, and here's how it reads in the message, it says, let me tell you why you're here. So I get to tell you why you're mm-hmm. here, Paula. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors mm-hmm. of this earth. And I think it's cool.
1: That's neat. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah,
0: because there's a lot of God flavors mm-hmm. in this earth. Tell, tell us about Grace's Kitchen. The idea, how it came to be, where, where it, because I looked on, uh, online, got mm-hmm. a little bit of backstory. Mm-hmm. to
1: so, my friend Lisa Latham and I were with the choir at Hunter Street, which is the church that I used to go okay. to, um, and she still attends. We were with the choir on a mission trip in Louisville. Okay. and And it was a pretty big group. It was about, a, I don't even know, it was over 100 people. And so, they had to divide us up kind of where we were going to serve. This mm-hmm. was back in the summer of 2009. And she and I were part of a group of about 15 or 20 people, maybe even less than that that were sent to serve, to sing and serve at a soup kitchen in Louisville okay. called the Lord's Kitchen. And it was different than any soup kitchen I had ever been to in that it was in the middle of a neighborhood, which you don't see very often. Mm-hmm. Like I, in my memory, there were houses all around us and they were open every day and they served two meals every day. And then sometimes they would serve a breakfast, but they always serve lunch and dinner. And so Lisa and I were, um, and the other folks who were with us, we were, standing up singing a song to Mm -hmm. the folks who were there just i don't even know what we sang and um i was looking out the front door past the people who were there and after we sang we then started serving food to the folks who were there but as we were singing i was looking out the front door and i saw the hours of the soup kitchen on the door and i in my mind it was audible Mm -hmm. i heard the lord say to me paula you need to do this you need to feed people not, there have probably only been a couple of times in my life when i've audibly heard the lord and so yeah. i was like what, what does that mean so anyway so we finish singing we serve the people who are there we visit with them super encouraging time just um, seeing people's needs met and seeing how they're um, how they were spoken to how kindly all of that and so we're walking out the building to leave and Lisa leans over to me and said, I just heard God tell me to feed people. Hmm. I was like, huh, that's super interesting. It's like, really? Me too. And so we just started praying. We were like, what does this mean? And you said earlier, Robert, that you are an idea person. Mm-hmm. Lisa is an idea person, mm-hmm. and she can execute anything. Like, I am convinced God called us together to do this because on my own, I don't know that I would have been able to figure out what to do because it's not my i'm a very much a let's just get stuff done efficiency person but i'm not big picture and lisa very much is and so um we just started praying about what that meant and um talking to our friends because we had andy was on that trip her husband was on that trip we had some good friends on that trip and so we just started talking what does this look like what does that mean and so as we prayed some things began to come clear to us we felt like god was calling us to feed people as we feed our families Mm -hmm. He was calling us to feed anybody, no matter who they were, what their background was, anything. And whoever we serve, to serve them with dignity and respect. And so those two things, feed people as you feed your family, serve everybody with dignity and respect. To show the love of the gospel, that's Mm -hmm. the last part of that, is what we were called to do. Okay, so what does that look like? So um, I, I went back to work lisa is a choral teacher so neither of us were food people she's a music director choral teacher she's a very gifted musician Mm -hmm. we um i went back to work she was home for the summer but school was about to start back and so we were just we were just praying what does this look like so um providentially I am fact-checking a story at work for an edition Southern Living used to have called Carolina Living, and it was an interview with a chef in um, the Raleigh-Durham area, Research Triangle area of North Carolina. Um, His last name is Nobles. I think Jim is his first name. I can't remember now, but he is a believer who had a very nice restaurant, Mm -hmm. fancy restaurant, but started a second restaurant that would be a um, way to train people coming out of hard situations, give them chef job skills, all of that, help them find jobs in well, the restaurant industry. I'm like, how cool is that? That's cool. That's not, I don't have those skills. I'm not a chef, but I just thought that's really interesting. So Lisa and I are like, huh, I wonder what that looks like. And so... Um, as we prayed, um, one of the ideas that came to mind—that's super interesting now, almost ten years later—that's not come to fruition—is we felt like God might be calling us to do a pay-as-you-can restaurant, because we knew to run a ministry you have to have funds. Right. And so we thought, well, a pay-as-you-can restaurant would be a great way to support a ministry because you could people could pay as they needed to, and if they couldn't pay, they didn't have to. Um, we actually visited a pay-as-you-can restaurant in Denver. Um, where people would come in, if they didn't have the money to pay, they could help by wiping off tables, taking dishes to the kitchen, busting tables, that kind of thing. Um, and so we thought, well, that would be really interesting. And so, But we knew, like, to start a restaurant, we didn't have skills to do that. Like, it would just take a while. So Boy. we were just like, we're still going to keep praying. So then we read a book um, called, I can't remember right now, um, but it was a book about this guy who did this Mike something like gankowski but that's not it because i think that's the um billy crystal character in monsters inc but it's something (laughs) like that (laughs) it's something like that um but anyway he wrote a book so he was a college student who decided to see what it was like to live as a homeless person in five cities around america as an experiment coming out of college and he just kind of wrote his observations kind of how the church responds to homelessness or well or poorly Um, it was just it was a really interesting book but through that book one of the things we realized is that is if you live on the streets breakfast is probably a meal you don't get because a lot of shelters Mm -hmm. turn people out before they serve breakfast you can usually get lunch and dinner but breakfast is a hard meal to get and we just thought that was interesting and then at the same time about the same time we were reading that book we met a woman um, who was at the love lady center we had gone there to do some um, serving and Uh, we were talking to her and she was telling us about her experiences as a homeless when she was homeless Mm -hmm. and she told us how much she how much you never see anybody with breakfast like it's really hard to get breakfast as a homeless person so we were like that's really interesting and at the time we both worked um I had a full-time job and Lisa did too and so we were like well how could we do this like do something like Mm -hmm. not just theoretically think about what God's told us to do, but how could we serve people? So we felt like he was pointing us to serving breakfast to a homeless population. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that look like? So downtown Birmingham, Lynn Park, we did some research, we figured it out, and we could do breakfast because we could do it, and then I could still get to work on time, Lisa could still do what she needed to do, like, so we're like, okay, we'll do that.
0: You're still doing your jobs. So yeah, you we're still
1: working full time, so, wow. and you know, so we decide okay we're just going to figure it out so the wednesday night we decided to be thursday mornings 6:30 ellen the woman that we had met at love lady center told us that she thought it would be important i mean such a so god was so faithful that she thought it would be important that we have a beginning time and an ending time mm-hmm. we needed to be really clear about that and if we ran out of food we needed to just leave mm-hmm. and she told us she's like people aren't going to believe you're going to keep coming back and she said but if this is what you're supposed to do you need to be consistent doing it and anyway so we had no idea what we we're doing so i don't even know exactly what our first few weeks looked like but we um i had come up with this recipe that i used to make sometimes for work called sausage cheese muffins which i've served at brother brian
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, at this point i've probably made millions of them and i hate them <laughs> Millions of muffins i hate them you know. and so we decided we would serve muffins sausage cheese muffin and then a fruit based muffin um, we wanted to give people a lunch bag because we didn't want it to just be breakfast. So we had somebody make some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for us, um, and we bought a box of bananas at Publix, and some bottled water, and I think we made coffee. And so we just went 6:30, set up, met some people talked to some people and we knew all along like we're not just about feeding people. The reason we're gonna feed people is we want to build relationships because we want to share the gospel. Like we believe change happens through the transformation of the spirit through the gospel. And that's what we that's what we're doing. We're not just this is not just for social justice. It's not because people are in need. It is, but their real need is a spiritual need. And so but we want to meet a physical need in order so we can talk to them about christ because christ has changed, transformed our lives and so we just started doing it and it kind of evolved and so now the hallmarks of what we do are the same we've been mm-hmm. doing it for almost um october 1st this coming october 1st will be 10 years that we've been years. serving in the park every thursday we've never missed a thursday wow. for rain snow nothing we have wow. never missed god has been so faithful And so, like I would have never imagined that we could have been as consistent as we are. The people who are there change, like the volunteers change, I mean, of Mm -hmm. course the people we serve, they change, but we have never, God has always provided for somebody, a few people from Grace's Kitchen to be there to serve. Mm -hmm. So we've never missed a Thursday. And um, we serve, we have a rotating menu now, Um, we serve pancakes and bacon the first week of the month, muffins the second week, third week is a breakfast burrito, fourth week is muffins again. And everybody's favorite week is if there's a fifth Thursday, I make cheese grits with bacon. Cheese, cheese
0: grits. Cheese
1: grits with bacon. Cheese. Mm, okay. And so... Um, That's our rotating menu. We also still do lunch bags. We have families, people around town, who make peanut butter jelly sandwiches for us every week. And then we also put a homemade bag, a bag of homemade chex mix, in the bag. Okay. Um, They get water. They get bananas. They get a scripture card because whoever's there when we first get to the park, we share a devotion. Okay. And there's a scripture card that people handwrite for us that goes in the bag. That's the scripture that was shared that morning, so that they want to go back and look at it, they can and so we just show up and things have changed um when we first started serving in lynn park there were tables and chairs under the gazebo that's mm-hmm. kind of right in the middle of the park um in 2014 the city um did a lot to try to get rid of loitering in lynn park and mm-hmm. i totally understand why um and we now have to uh, uh, there's a city ordinance that's passed that you can't serve in the park anymore and you have to apply for a permit so i get a permit I renew my permit every six months, and I have to reserve the spot we serve in every two weeks. Um, I can do it two weeks at a time, and so we reserve a parking spot by the park that we serve from. Mm-hmm. When we sat at tables and chairs, it was a lot easier to engage people because people would just sit down, and our volunteers would just go sit down, and you could really have conversations. Now we stand up the whole time because okay. there's not a way to sit down so we're on a sidewalk, a public sidewalk, and so. Um, So it's a little bit harder to engage people, but we um, talk to people who come up, uh, we um, ask for prayer requests. I have a notebook that I keep up with prayer requests in, and then I email them out to the people who come every Thursday and serve with us, and then some people who don't serve with us but want to pray for those we serve. And we consider that a huge privilege because we know that probably some of the folks we pray for, nobody prays for them. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my prayers early on was that God would give me recall of names and faces because Mm -hmm. I just... One of the things I learned in the book that I read was that it's really hard when you aren't attached to anything and people don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to not hear anybody say your name or few people call your name. And I also know now, I've learned so much, that sometimes people aren't called by their real names. You know, like there's a whole mm-hmm. lot of stuff that goes on. And so anyway, but God has been really faithful and have really good, um, he's given me the ability to remember people's names and faces. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, in fact, sometimes I freak people out because I know them from the park. I'll see them somewhere else. I'll talk to them, and they don't they don't know me right. out of context.
0: <laughs> yeah, they have you in that one category. Yeah. and so yeah. I'm like,
1: hey, I'm Paula. Remember you know me from the park? Oh, yeah. And so anyway, um, but I'm, I'm very thankful that God has given me that. And so that was how we started, and we didn't know where we would go from mm-hmm. there. Um, is this too long?
0: You're good. Because I can talk
1: nonstop. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to. yeah yeah Yeah, you
1: you cut out as much as you want that's fine but anyway so we weren't sure how we would get what we would do from that Um, and so we just started praying about it and Mm -hmm. so God opened up the door um, for us to serve um, well really fast forward we keep doing this for a while we're doing all the cooking out of my house Mm -hmm. Um, and then this is a timely time to be talking about this but April 27th 2011 when the tornadoes came through that were so devastating through some contacts we had, uh, we had the opportunity to go to Pleasant Grove right after the sur- the tornado. And we served through at a church called Bethel Baptist Church um, for about two weeks in Pleasant Grove. And at the time, we had been still cooking our food for the park in my house. Mm-hmm. But when you go to serving that many people, you can't do it. And so Lisa and I were both still members at Hunter Street. And Hunter Street graciously let us use their kitchen. Okay. To cook and so I am a home cook I cook for two people at my house Mm -hmm. I have no skills to cook on the scale that I do and so God was very grateful gracious to us because we were cooking in a commercial kitchen at Hunter Street Mm -hmm. and the two folks who ran the kitchen at Hunter Street had years of food service experience they knew how to work on this equipment which is very different from the home equipment Mm -hmm. that I had and so, because I was just there and I would talk to them, they helped me learn kind of how to do things. But, I've always been committed to feeding people the way we feed our families, so everything we do is from scratch. We okay. do, or mostly, we do very few things. We don't do anything that's processed, like pre I mean, you,
0: you Yeah, what y'all do is like homemade <coughs> cooking.
1: Yeah, and so that's very different, because when you've been in food service, you're used to a little bit more institutional mm-hmm. style of cooking. So miss pat did not understand the day i was making homemade chicken pot pies and we were i had like five food processors going because we were making our homemade (laughs) crust and then they had this piece of equipment called a tilted skillet which is basically the biggest thing i've ever seen it's on an electrical burner and i was making because we were feeding about a thousand people at the beginning of this and so i was making i think we made 25 pans of chicken pot pie those big pans that i bring to brother brian 25 of them and so we were making the um the sauce that's the the that brings everything together the chicken we were baking chicken cutting up chicken anyway and so we still were making things the way i make things we just had to learn to um, multiply it and god was very faithful in that and miss pat and ken in the kitchen gave me a lot of tips on how to do that and so but we served through a church there and so we did that for two weeks and then pleasant grove kind of I went say so they got back on their feet but they were in a much better place and so we were praying about what do we do next and so um, God sent us to Cordova in Walker County mm-hmm. and we ended up serving in Cordova for about three months um, because Cordova was um, really hard hit
0: and this is in Alabama in which mm-hmm. those are yes out of state. that's right
1: it was really hard hit um, There were a lot of the people who were affected, there were about 80 families displaced by the storm. They lived in trailers. But Cordova made the national news because the mayor of Cordova would not allow FEMA trailers to be set up in the city limits for people to live in. Well, most of the people who lost their homes lived in trailers, Mm -hmm. but there had been an ordinance passed because they didn't want any more new trailers coming in, so no FEMA trailers. So there were 80 families displaced. Needed a place to go, and downtown Cordova had been devastated by the tornadoes. And so, the church that we were serving at there had this idea to start a program where they knew people who owned houses in Cordova but didn't live in those houses. And so, they reached out to those homeowners and said, Hey, Could we fix up your house and you allow a family to live there, lease rent-free, for a year? Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the year, you can then do a formal paying lease with the family or you get your property back and it's been improved. Mm -hmm. Because so many people wanted to come into Alabama and help fix things Mm -hmm. up. And so they hosted church groups that came in, fixed up these houses. And so we we began by feeding people affected by the storms. But it transitioned to feeding people who were coming in to help people. had been affected by the storms and so that's when God really solidified we had had a mission statement that we were working under but through that process we realized that people in need feeding people in need can look many different ways Mm -hmm. it can mean people who are struggling to feed themselves because of lack of money lack of resources whatever but it also can mean feeding people who are helping in those situations Mm -hmm. and so Anyway, so our mission statement is: Grace's Kitchen exists to share the um, gospel of Jesus Christ by p- providing food to people in need or to ministries who work with people in need. Okay. So that's so what we it's, do. It's
0: expanding.
1: Yes, from the a little bit, logic. but we still we know we got some really great advice early on that when you ha- that a mission statement is super important, mm-hmm. and when you decide on your mission statement, you need to use that as your um, your guardrails. And you need to stick with it. And and in this type of ministry, I've seen how important that is. Because we meet people in the park all the time who have needs that we can meet. Mm-hmm. Like there was a guy yesterday who's just gotten an apartment. And he needs a coffee pot, right? He wants mm-hmm. a coffee pot. I could go to Walmart and buy him a coffee pot. But what God's told me to do through Grace's Kitchen mm-hmm. is to feed feed, feed feed people. And so even though and and we have to be careful because mm-hmm. you can help one person but there's so many needs yeah. and if you start doing well i can help you with bus fare well i can do this under the umbrella of grace's kitchen then you've clogged up what our ministry was built right. to do and so under the umbrella of grace's kitchen we give people food we do give bibles if somebody mm-hmm. asks us for a bible but other than that those are the, that's what we do and so that has been very helpful advice because i've watched nonprofits develop that we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh no, here's a need. We can meet that. Right. And you kind of get, I've seen people, we get into this salvation mentality that I'm going to save these people mm-hmm. by fixing all of their problems. Here I
0: come to save the day. Yes, yeah.
1: and that's a trap. And yeah. so we, God has just been very clear this is what I've called you to do. Mm-hmm. You weren't trying to do this. This was not a ministry I was looking to start. Lisa was not looking to start a ministry. We were not. But God called us to do that, and He is faithful to help us do what he's called us to do, and that's what we're supposed to do. It's a walk of obedience. Yeah. And so, it's really hard, though, because you, somebody tells you they need a coffee pot, somebody says, I just need some shoes, man. Yeah. The, you, need's
0: great. the needs always grow. The needs are, are there, and, and there. we
1: can meet them personally, but we don't meet them with Grace's Kitchen, because yeah. that's not yeah. what he's called us to do.
0: Well, you hit the target well, uh, and I, I'm just <coughs> saying from my appetite and, and what you do and what I've observed, you hit the target very well. I want to ask you, Kind of turn the table mm-hmm. on you, literally. Uh, have you ever had the tables turned on you? You're there to feed a menu, a, a grace. Mm-hmm. You're there at the mission, all mm-hmm. the different places you go because you mm-hmm. go very a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had the table turned on you, where suddenly you were the one receiving? Yeah, uh, actually, or grace.
1: well, yes, absolutely. I see it. Um, it's super encouraging because, and I tell this to my volunteers. I have a group of volunteers who come and help me cook, and I have volunteers who come and help serve and a mm-hmm. lot of times they're not the same folks so the folks who cook don't always get to come serve with us and they don't get to meet and see like it takes a lot of work to cut up the fruit like mm-hmm. we do That still takes a lot of time it takes about an hour mm-hmm. on the scale of brother brian to cut that up and um sometimes when you're in the middle of a task you think this doesn't matter mm-hmm. but i every time we serve dinner almost or we serve a meal somebody will say to me I can taste the love that went in this food, or I can tell that somebody worked really hard on this, and it matters to me. I had, there's a, we serve lunch through a program called Youth Build um, once a week, and um, I had three guys from that program in the fall come and cook. They wanted to help me make their lunch Mm -hmm. one day. And so young guys, the program's for 16 to Mm 22-year-olds, and so they came and helped me cook, and they and the reason they wanted to is one week i had showed up and they said what did you bring for lunch today and i said it's meatloaf mashed potatoes and green beans and they said it's like going to grandma's house on sunday (laughs) and they're like we're gonna come cook with you and so it was such a blessing to me that it meant something to them and some of those kids in that particular class of that program were really food poor like really struggled to feed themselves and sometimes the best meal they would have would be what i would bring and that was super humbling to think that, mm-hmm. but also to see the power of how love they felt to the point that they were like, "Well, we love that you do this for us, so we want to come help you and learn what you do." Wow. And so that was super. That was that was super encouraging to me to experience that, and then to get to work with them here. Mm-hmm. And they were so pleased with some of the stuff I taught them to do. They were <laughs> they were super excited about it, um, and so that was really neat. Another way that I see God pouring back into me is um, the scripture that's on the flatware. Mm -hmm. Like we have people who do that for us, who will tie scripture on flatware. And it's
0: handwritten
1: scripture. Some of it is. Some of it's um, typed. um, But what's on the clamshells, you know, we do takeout plates for Mm -hmm. the guys who are at work at Brother Brian and the place that we serve on Monday nights. Um, And we started doing handwritten scripture on clamshells back during the tornadoes because we were sending meals out to people who were working on their houses. Mm -hmm. And we would get messages back that the scripture that was on there was exactly what they needed to hear. And so we knew the power of that. So we started wrapping the flatware that way. And I love watching guys so many times. They will read that scripture before they pick up their plate, before they look at anything, and they'll say, I needed that today. Mm -hmm. I had a guy um, on Monday night last week tell me, i got this scripture two times in a row so i really i know the lord's trying to talk to me about Mm -hmm. this and i just thought i love how the lord works like it's not it has nothing to do with us his word is living and active it does not return void and when i hear those things that just reminds me that this is what this is his work it has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with me and that is encouraging to me because the and i'm not going to quote it right but the the verse that Lisa and I run at Grace's Kitchen on is um, 2 Corinthians twelve nine, And those moments remind me that this is not about me, it's not about anything that I can do in my power. But the verse says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that's exactly what happens with this ministry. It's not anything that we do. It's what God does with the broken vessels that we are. The offerings we give, we see Him use that, and it's super encouraging.
0: Well, wow, that's a great word. I could tell you, you feed so many souls. You feed so many hearts, souls, bodies, uh, and I could probably almost not ask this question, but I, I want to anyway. Uh, what feeds your soul? I, I, and I hear that your soul is being fed mm-hmm. through service mm-hmm. um, but uh, anything you would add to that mix?
1: Um, I've said this already but I do think um, God's word is so important like being in God's word reading God's word um, letting him teach me mm-hmm. I think that that's really important I also I get um I am deeply encouraged by some of the volunteers here that I have who come mm-hmm. to the kitchen. We spend a lot of time together cutting mm-hmm. up things, chopping, cooking, washing dishes, and I have one volunteer in particular who is here almost as much as I am. She's in her mid-seventies, mm-hmm. and she has walked with the Lord her in her life. and She has walked through some really deep valleys, mm-hmm. but she's still saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And just time with her, time with the other volunteers that I have, because it's super neat how I have met people. Like Originally, our volunteers came from Hunter Street, which is where Lisa and I went to church, and so there was a commonality of that. But it's since expanded because people can find us on the Internet, and I've had people who've just become great sources of encouragement and um, renewal for me just who found us on the internet and just came here to start cooking and just how the lord knits our hearts together mm-hmm. um, and that's super encouraging and so i would say just the people that i serve the people that i serve with those that that is a source of great encouragement for me Okay. Wow.
0: let's say somebody wants to participate help Come mm-hmm. alongside you. Mm-hmm. Uh, where would you tell them to go? To, you know, so
1: our website is graceskitchen dot org, and um, that is where you find all of our serving opportunities. You can sign are sign up sheets attached to everything, whether it's to come serve cook in the kitchen, whether it's to come serve a meal with us, and the places that we actually serve meals. Um, there are sign up sheets for all of those opportunities, and they're all under volunteer opportunities on graceskitchen dot org.
0: Okay, all right. Recipe for redemption more often than not you hear a recipe for disaster Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm sure you have some things that have happened along the way in the journey I I I think you've got a uh, pretty good sense of the taste buds of God Uh, because what you do is just such good flavor but yeah as the young man the teenagers you said sure Mm -hmm. I can can taste a lot the guys there at the mission. They mm-hmm. can taste a love. Just appreciate what you do. Thank you. it's found it an honor to be in this kitchen. Uh, pretty cool and to get to hear your heart. Thank you for sharing with the listeners uh, on Redemption's Table. Today. Thank you. So, appreciate you being with us and for those of you who are tuning in, don't forget we'll be back next Monday morning. Uh, table of Redemption, your party is now ready. Y'all have a great day. Bye.